This morning, I'd like you to join me in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, starting with the very first verse. Matthew's record here in this passage is what we might have, and I even have, labeled as a caption above this paragraph, the triumphal entry. Generally, we associate that with what we call Palm Sunday, don't we? The triumphal entry of Jesus. That's when he came into the city uh, just a handful of days before they would arrest him and crucify him. And as we look through this passage, I want you to uh, pay close attention to the words that I'm going to read all the way through verse number 16. Matthew 21, 1 through 16. And when they had pro- approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, there Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there with a colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, you should say to them, the Lord has, if anyone says anything to you, sorry, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he sent them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the people spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees, and spreading them in the road, and the crowd going ahead of him. And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, and you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things he had done, the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David, they became indignant. They said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise for yourself. We have much we want to look at here this morning, but let's start certainly by asking for the Lord to teach us from his word. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning recounting that day when Jesus rode into the city. And there's much for us to learn here, and I pray that our hearts are open and ready to receive what you have prepared for us. Teach us, Lord, and certainly through all these things, draw us closer to yourself that these words, Hosanna, be the genuine words of our heart today. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we read this, usually the 
triumphal entry story, we end with him entering the city. But as you see, I read further, didn't I? And he went into the temple. There he cleansed the temple of the money changers. And then a statement was made that there was controversy going on there. Of course, the the, uh, leaders of the temple did not like the fact that the children were giving him praise. They didn't like the fact that the people were giving him praise. They didn't like the fact that the temple had just been cleaned out of all their profit for the day. And so they confronted him on this. According to the gospel record, this was close to the eve of the day. And at this point, Jesus left the temple and went out to Bethany to stay for the night. The next day, he came back to the temple. According to the gospel records, again, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, even lawyers were there asking him questions. They were seeking to trip him up. And uh, it's almost a, a comical scene, to one degree, for when one group goes to confront him and he answers them and they left without a word to say, the next group has been huddling. And they say, ha, we're taking the turn now. And they step forward and they try to trap him and they're, they're left speechless. And the third group will step up. It was almost as if they had plotted the day to work together. These three that rarely ever worked together. They all had one mission, and that was to trip up Jesus. They did not amount to anything like that, because at the very end of it all, in chapter 23 of the book of Matthew, Jesus declares uh, the the Pharisees and the scribes as hypocrites. There's a whole series of woes given in there, a powerful passage there in Matthew chapter 23. This is the way it ends. If you just turn a couple of pages, you will see these words. In verse number 37 of Matthew 23, and verse number, up to verse number 39. Jerusalem, he says, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her, How often I wanted to gather you, gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Wait a minute. I thought they just said that. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Isn't that what they declared as he came into the city? And now the next day he says, I won't come back to you until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Say, well, that's interesting. Is there a difference? Is there a difference? What what, what is the difference between these two? If I gave a title to this sermon, you know I generally don't have titles in the bulletin, and and sometimes I just make them up as I go, on the, off the cuff anyway, so it wouldn't help. But if I gave this a title, I would call it, So Much Ignorance. That would be quite a title, huh? So Much Ignorance. Let me walk you through this event we call the Triumphal Entry. It is actually from Psalm 118. Say, really? Okay. This is interesting. You're going to have to... Go back to Psalm 118 with me to see the events that are recorded here in this psalm. Psalm 118. 
the passage I want you to hear in Psalm 118, especially starting in verse number, uh, oh, let's see, let's start at verse 19. Rather than cover the whole psalm, let's just do 19 through the end of it. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected, he has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords, with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I give thanks to you. You are my God, I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Now, set a bookmark right there. I want to come back to this in just a few minutes. But I want to talk about this passage and how it relates to what happened here in in Matthew chapter number 21. And I find it very interesting that the crowd is quoting from Psalm 118, and you heard it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the events that went on were also recorded somewhat in that, and you will see in a minute. But they chose a few choice phrases from the psalm. And they entirely missed the context of the psalm. Before we're very quick to blame them. We are quite aware in our society that there are certain holidays that come around, usually toward the end of December, and right about this time of year, uh, we call them Christmas and Easter. And how often do we need to keep reminding ourselves to remember what those holidays are really all about. For there's a lot of trappings and things centered or woven around it. And, and so many times we pull out a little bit here and a little bit there, and yet there's so much more we have added to it, and we can easily forget. Certainly our world does not remember very well what has taken place on these two dates. You know, ignorance is not commended in Scripture. Have you ever used the phrase, ignorance is bliss? The Scripture says, ignorance is deadly. It's deadly. In the book of Proverbs, for example, I could read to you verse 21, 22, and 23. Listen carefully to these words. Proverbs 5.21 The ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he will go astray. He will die for lack of instruction. Okay, group number one. That's you folks here, all right? From this center aisle all the way over here on the main floor. You're group number one. There's one word you've got to remember throughout the whole sermon. Instruction. Can you do it? Let's try it. All right. They will die from lack of? Good. 
Hang on to that word. Don't let go. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 21. says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. Group 2, you know what I'm going to say, right? One word I want you to hold throughout the service is the word understanding. Fools die for lack of understanding. The wicked die for lack of Perfect. We're doing good. We're doing great. All right. Isaiah 5, verse 13 through 14. Therefore, my people go into exile for lack of knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude is parched with thirst. Therefore, Sheol, the grave, has enlarged its throat and opened its mouth without measure, and Jerusalem's splendor, and her multitude, and her din of revelry. And her jubilance within her descend into it. Ooh, what a terrible passage. That just ruined the whole holiday, didn't it? For lack of knowledge. Balcony people, you got a job today. Hold on to a word. It's knowledge. They die for lack of knowledge. They die for lack of? And they die for lack of? Understanding. Instruction, understanding, knowledge. It all leads to the same place if you lack it. The passages just told us these things. They die. Oh, by the way, you could add to this as well. Hosea said this about the prophets and the, and the priests, the leaders, the spiritual leaders. My people are destroyed for lack of, balcony, knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you from being my priest, since you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. All right, you've got a picture in your mind right now. With your help, we can do this. The wicked die from lack of... And the fool will die for lack of... And the rest are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Here's Luke's record. You ready for this? This is fascinating. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, we have the same record, what Matthew has said, of the triumphal entry. Now listen to the words as, as Luke records them here. 19, starting in verse 36. He was going, and they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God, joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. <laughs> that always reminds me of the Christmas story, what the angels said. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to men on earth. It says in verse 39, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. And when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it and said this, If you had known in this day, even you, the things that make for peace, if you had only known this day, the things for make, that make for peace, but they have been hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave you 
one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling. Okay. Okay. Shouldn't we give them some sort of credit here for the very fact that they were saying, Hosanna, that was scriptural, wasn't it? They were shouting Hosanna as he entered into it. They were waving palm branches. They were putting their coats on the path. Doesn't that at least imply there was some understanding and some knowledge and some instruction that had been going on that they could know to do this? Let's go back to that psalm again. Psalm 118. Let's see what they knew. From verse number 19 on. Picture this as uh, Jesus is coming down the road. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. Verse 22, do you find it odd that it sits in the middle of all this? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Here's something amazing. Even, well, we, of course we know that. God knows the future, right? He's recording this great psalm that they're going to be quoting. And actually you can picture it as he's coming into the city. And they're shouting. And right in the middle of it, God knows their heart. Guess what they did with the chief cornerstone? They rejected and crucified him, right? This is right in the middle of it all. As he's entering and they're saying, here's our king. It won't be but five or six days and they're saying, crucify him. They have even rejected him on the walk into town. For they have rejected him many, many years before. But this is interesting because this is the Lord's doing. You say, but, but it all fell apart because of the people. This was the Lord's doing. He had already planned it. This was not outside of His sovereignty. It was not outside of His His. His uh, instruction, it was not outside of his knowledge. It was his plan that Jesus enter that city to die. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our sight. He goes on to say this phrase. This is the day which the Lord has made. How often has we, have we sung that? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And then they start to say, Oh Lord, do save! You know what that Hebrew setup is? Hosanna. Oh Lord, do save. Hosanna is what they're saying. Oh Lord, do save. Oh Lord, we beseech you. Do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Here you picture him coming in through the gate, and now he's come all the way up into the temple area, to the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, they declare. He has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I give thanks to you. You are my God, I extol you. 
Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Here you've got a group of people walking along, some before Jesus and some behind Jesus. They were probably singing parts of this. These are called pilgrim psalms, as they ascended their way up into the temple in order to worship. They're shouting out this phrase, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting out, Hosanna to the Son of David. And yet the whole time they're saying, Save us! Save us! And why was he coming? To save them. Palm branches. Coats laid in the path. Some believe that the procession led all the way into the gate, down the roads of Jerusalem, all the way up to the temple steps. Some think that the branches themselves were tied together and formed some sort of a wreath and they were hung there on the altar itself. Some think that animal sacrifices followed along in there were brought into the temple, so many so that it filled the entire temple area with animals and with people. And if you add all the Money changers in there too, you've got quite a crowded place. There were so many animals, they needed to be tied together, and, and for fear that they'd be spooked by the crowds, they actually tied them to the altar itself. That's a picture that some have tried to figure out what this scene must have looked like. One commentary wrote this While the crowd did not fully understand the significance of this event, they seemed to be acknowledging that this one is the promised seed of David who had come to grant them salvation. Did they really grasp that? He had come to give them salvation? Now I'm going to read to you something, and I'm going to read it on purpose, okay? It's about a page and a half long. Listen very carefully as we go through this. The rendering... Bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar, has against it the usual meaning of the word rendered sacrifice, which is rather festival, and the fact that the last words of the verse cannot possibly be translated to the horns, except that it means as far as, or even up to the horns, therefore, uh, to be a good deal supplied in the sentence, the commentators differ on how to fill in the gap. One scholar supposes that the number of the sacrificial, sacrificial animals is to be so great that the whole space of the court to the priest become full of them, and the binding of them has therefore to take place even to the horns of the altar. Another scholar takes the expression to be a pregnant one, for, he says, till the victim is sacrificed and its blood sprinkled on the horns of the altar. Others regard the supposed ellipsis to be too great to be natural. And taking an entirely different view, the word rendered sacrifice in the former explanation is taken to mean a procession round the altar, which is etymologically justifiable, and is supported by the known custom of making such a circuit during the Feast of Tabernacles. For cords, this explanation would read branches or boughs, which was also warranted. But it, what does binding a procession with bowels mean? Various answers are given. Another scholar supposes that the branches born in the hands of the members of the procession 
were in some unknown way used to bind or link them together before they left the temple. Still another scholar takes these vows and the bearing of vows with them. He supposes that the branches touched the altar horns for the purpose of transferring to themselves the holiness consecrated there. Either explanation has difficulties. The former in requiring an unusual sense of the word rendered sacrifices, the latter in finding a suitable meaning for that translated bind. Now this is where it gets fun. You ready? So far you're with it, right? This is where, really, I'm reading this along and I'm trying to keep track, as you're doing right now. And then all of a sudden the, the writer goes into this really strange type of language because he starts to label things as A, B, or C. And I don't even know what A, B, and C were. But this is what he does with it, and you can see what I mean. In either, C is but loosely connected with B, and is best understood as an exclamation. The verb rendered bind is used in 1 Kings 20.14, 2 Chronicles 13.3, in the sense that it fits well with procession here. For example, that of marshalling an army for battle. If this meaning is adopted, B will be the summons to order the bow-bearing procession, and C is to call to march onwards, so as to encircle the altar. The meaning of the obscure verse may be provisionally accepted, while owing that our ignorance of the ceremony referred to prevents complete understanding of the words. That part I can follow. He comes to a conclusion that we don't know. All these things. And what is this all about? Did you get it? This is what they do with the whole scene. They read a passage and then they dive so deep into what does it mean to bind that they've lost track completely of what was happening. They have no idea, and he even admits it at the end. This is the ignorance that we have. The ignorance that we have. And you say, well, we don't get it. Neither did they. They had no idea what was going on during that time. Look at that psalm again, Psalm 118. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I shall enter them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter it. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. That's what the psalm was crying out. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This very thing is speaking of Jesus Christ, whom Peter would tell them later. That's the one you crucified. The one that God has given to you. Your salvation. You tossed him aside. You cast him out whom the people declared to be their king, was the very one they rejected. But that was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. And this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, they said. O Lord, we beseech you, we beseech you, send us prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You are blessed. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. Wow. Did they ever come to that conclusion? 
as they entered, led him into that city, as they led him down through the gates and the streets and up to the temple steps, as he walked into that place, he said, this is my house and you've turned it into a den of thieves. The declaration was quite clear. It was more than just being presented as king. He was presented as their savior, and he was presented as their God. The psalm calls for those. How much did the people grasp? How much did the people grasp? They cried out, save us. And that's the very reason why he came, to save them. You're saying, wow, there's a lot of ignorance right there. That they should participate in such a thing. Who ever heard of people participating in a holiday without knowing what it's about? That's what they were doing. They had no clue. And if you think, well, we could point the finger at the, the uh, people, let's start with the leaders. Not much sooner or before this, not many weeks perhaps, the leaders had met to figure out what to do with Jesus. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. That's not an everyday occurrence, you know. And it was so well known. The chief priests had to do something about this. Unfortunately, in their plans, they were thought, well, let's just go kill Lazarus again. You know, that's kind of a tough road to go down. <laughs> To die once and then brought back only to be killed a second time. Well, they never did that, but that was a part of their plot. But this is what one of them said. His name was Caiaphas. And according to John's record in chapter 11, verse 49, Caiaphas, who was the high priest, and I think it's interesting as John said it, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all! He's talking to the people. Isn't this great? He's talking to his other leaders. You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man died for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Did you hear his words? He just said it. You don't know anything. It is best for one man to die for the people. And guess what they were plotting? The death of that one man. And is it not true? Isn't it best that one man died for the, all the people? That's the gospel record right there. This man Caiaphas said that. And it says to follow that. Now he did not say this on his own initiative. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not only for the nation, but in order that he might also gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Ignorant leaders saying things that spoke of the exact thing Jesus came to do. And they had no clue. And then the executioners. Of course, they knew what was going on, right? They were called on by the leaders to crucify Jesus. And here the Romans take him to the place of execution. According to Luke, it was called the place of the skull. And there they crucified him and the criminals. One on the right and one on the other on the left. And Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They do not know what they are doing. And here we have a group of people celebrating, yet they did not know 
For if you had known this day, he said, even you, the things that make for peace. We cannot have peace with God except through Jesus Christ. If they had known that he had come to make peace, but they did not know it. Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. All right, so you have seen an awful lot of ignorance, haven't you? On every level of folks in this community, from the leaders all the way down to the executioners and the people in between. They did not know. They did not know. They did not know. They did not know. And Scripture says you can die for that. You can die for lack of what? Instruction. And you can die for lack of what? Understanding. And you can die from what? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. What is before us this week on our calendars? What those little red numbers mean sometimes? They set aside a certain day. Like this week we call it Good Friday. Is that an important day to us? A day that we stop to think about what Jesus Christ did on a cross for us. We have a day set aside for that purpose, to remember his sacrifice. Next Sunday morning, we have two services planned. We have an Easter sunrise service. Why do we like sunrise? Just to get you out of bed? No. It's because very early in the morning when they came in, they found the stone rolled away, right? So we start earlier. I know, 8 o'clock is not real early, but nevertheless... We start early. Why? Because we like to remember what Jesus Christ did that moment when he came from the grave and he rose in victory. That's important to us, is it not? What follows that? Our Easter service that we we like to bring in our cantata at that time, but that's a day of great celebration. Do we know why we celebrate these things? Do we know why we celebrate these things? You see, we can easily make a parade out of it all. We could wave things in the air. We, we could march around. We could proclaim Jesus saves all we want. And yet, the whole celebration could be meaningless if we do not know the Jesus who saves. That's where they were lacking. They didn't know the Jesus who saves. This morning, you're not leaving this room. Without knowledge, without understanding, without instruction. You're not leaving this room without that today. Because scripture tells us that we are all sinners. Not one of us will stand up this morning and say, except me. We are all sinners. For all have sinned, scripture says, and fall short of the glory of God. We know that, don't we? And if you've heard that now for the very first time, it's true. All of us are sinners, and we fall short of the glory of God. And Scripture goes on to say that the wages of sin is death. That's not a bad day. That's just not, you know, a few miserable moments. Death, that that whole term there, speaks of an eternal separation from God. The price tag that comes with sin is death. It's a frightening concept. Eternal separation from God is the ultimate end of this. The soul that sins, it shall die. God had said so. That's a heavy price tag. 
Jesus paid that price tag. He paid that price tag. My favorite passage in all of Scripture is in Romans 5.8, in that God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were sinners, and we deserved to die, for that was the wages we had earned, Christ died for us. He paid that price tag. He died to take our place. And it leaves us with one more thing that sets before it in Scripture. It calls us to place our trust in Him. We trust in Him as our substitute for sin and our mediator with God. Romans chapter 10, it says in verse number 9 and 10, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. You hear those four things, they're real simple. We all have sinned. We have a penalty to pay for sin, and the penalty is death. Jesus died to take our place. He paid that penalty. And we're called to trust Him. Believe in Him. And when you believe in Him, you are saved. That's our Hosanna. Oh God, save. Oh Lord, save. He did what was needed to save you. Don't walk out of this room ignorant of those facts today. Don't walk out of this room without understanding, without knowledge. Those things kill. You've already declared it to me this morning. Lack of those things will kill. But this is what Jesus Christ came to do. To give us life. To give us life. Do you believe Him? That's why we are here this morning. That's why we're going to celebrate this week. When we have our Friday service. When we have next Sunday service. We're going to rejoice in the Savior who saves. And I hope you know Him. I trust you do. If not, you can this morning. As we go into prayer, I read to you the passage, but let me say it one more time so you know very clearly what he calls you to do. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Turn to him and trust him. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. That's what I call you to do this morning. Don't be like these people. They had no clue what they were celebrating. Don't be like the leaders. They had no clue what they were prophesying. Don't be like the executioners. They had no idea what they were doing. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Him today. And as we go into prayer, you can do that. Just call upon His name. The Lord promises to save. Heavenly Father, we come before you today so thankful. That if you had not shown these things to us, we would not have known them, nor would we have believed. But you have made the difference. You have given us the eyes to see and the ears to hear, the hearts to believe. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we rejoice over these words. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, Thank you for your willingness to come, to live among us, the people on this earth who sinned against you over and over and over again. And out of love, you walked clearly all the way to that cross. 
you were put there as a sacrifice for us. You took our place for us. You took our sin. And you have given to us life and salvation through your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, there might be some among us today who have heard this and now they understand what they need to do. They must turn to Jesus Christ as Savior and believe and they must confess this. And you know their hearts, Lord, and you're the only one who could draw them to yourself. You're the only one who could change a life. And as the gospel has been presented to them, do your work, Lord, that you promised to do and change them forever. We appeal for that, Lord, and we're so encouraged and strengthened by it because we know that you've done it for us too. You will do it for others. Draw them to yourself today. If there might be one among us, even one who comes to know Jesus Christ as Savior, we will rejoice and be glad in that. Thank you for your great work in our hearts and in our lives. May we not be forgetful people. May we not go through the pageantry and go through the parade of it all without recognizing why Jesus Christ came and what difference he has made in our lives. We ought to be the most thankful people on this earth. May it show in the way that we remember this next week, especially in Jesus' name. Amen.